So today, we are going to continue our journey through the book of Matthew. Um, last week, so we're in chapter 12 right now, we're in chapter 11 right now, um, Pat, last week, talked about the beginning of this chapter. And he talked about this is the sending out and the calling of the 12. So we get the 12 disciples named, which I realized, I don't think I could just list them without singing the song. Like, I, I, I can't do it. Like, I was trying to do it, I'm like, I didn't like, had to like, the one or two I forget, I had to like sing the song to get to them. So there's that. So the 12 disciples are named, they're sent out. Um, instructions are given on where to go, where not to go, what things to take, all of that. Pat talked a little bit about how that kind of funnels down to us, what that means for us in our daily lives today. Uh, Pat talked about demeanor, like what, what attitude the disciples were to have when they go out, and in turn, what attitudes we have when we go out and talk about God and talk about Jesus and share the good news. So we're going to continue down that same line today. We will jump in here starting at verse 19. But when they arrest you, do not worry what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death and father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm in the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly I tell you, you will not, excuse me, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. The student is not above the teacher, nor the servant their master. It is enough for students to be like their teacher and servants like their master. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more will the members of a household? All right, so let's start with the first chunk here. That's a lot of bad stuff. That's, none of that's good. None of that's good at all. But these are all things that actually end up happening to the 12 disciples. As you kind of follow their journey through the rest of the Gospels, through Acts, even into some of the, uh, the letters, such as Romans, you, start, you see all of them arrested, imprisoned, betrayed, hated. All of this happens. Now, for us in this room, this is probably not a concern, right? Most of us do not have to be worried about being arrested, imprisoned, actually hated because we're Christians. So what, what are we supposed to take out of this? How does this idea relate to us? What are we supposed to pull out of? What is Jesus telling us today through this passage? Well, I think, for me, it jumps out here in verse 20. I was talking about, you know, when you're arrested and such, at the time, you'll be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Now, Matthew is sometimes jokingly called the Presbyterian Gospel. Because it is the gospel that mentions the Holy Spirit by far the least. It is mentioned like half as much as, some of, as it is in some of the other gospels. Which means, when it's mentioned in Matthew, it's important. Pay attention to it. What, what is this gospel trying to tell us through this? Oh, well, I scrolled too far. Got excited. So the Spirit of the Father, the Holy Spirit, is going to be speaking through us. Oh, okay. What... What does that mean for us? How are we supposed to understand that? A lot of the times, 
when we are out interacting with people, being missional, out in our communities, wherever we are, talking with people, we're not going to have the answers to a lot of questions. We're not going to know the exact right thing to say sometimes. And honestly, that's probably a lot of the time, right, if we're honest with ourselves. There is just a litany of questions that there is just no way we can know all the answers to, nor should we be expected to know all the answers to. That's when the Holy Spirit comes in. Have you had moments where someone's talking to you or you're talking to someone and you've said something you're like, that, that kind of doesn't sound like something I would say. Where, where did I pull that from? Where, what? What, what happened? Or if you've had someone talk to you and be like, oh, you know, this, this thing you told me, you know, years ago or whatever, oh, this was so impactful and you don't even remember saying that. And when they, again, when they tell you it, you're like, that, why would I say that? That doesn't sound like me at all. That's this. That is the Holy Spirit speaking through you, giving you the exact right thing to say. I mean, the, the, a, a funny example of this is when you have no real reason to use a specific example or a language, this is not something you normally would do, but you just know, like, yeah, this, this is exactly what to say. Um, this happened to me maybe about a year ago or so. I was at a wedding, and I was talking from the bridesmaids, and, you know, she knew as a pastor because was, I was doing the wedding. And so, you know, just, you know, brought up a conversation. And in this conversation, I likened, you know, when, when talking about, you know, coming in to the family of God and such, for some reason, I likened it to an adoption of a pet. Like, oh, it's like going to your forever home. That's not something I've really said before, and honestly, probably not a great way to describe it, because you're like, wait, we're, we're pets? Like, that's, you would never think of that and be like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do it. This lady worked at a shelter. That was her job, finding forever homes for pets. So that clicked with her instantly, and she was just like, oh, I got really excited about it. Something I absolutely never would and probably shouldn't have said, because that, that creates all sorts of weird dynamics. It was exactly the right thing to say to this person. I had no way of knowing that. That's what the Holy Spirit can do. If we just believe, if we just are open. And that's the other side of it, too, is this is incredibly freeing, right? Because the pressure comes off of us. A moment of, oh, I'm not sure what to say. What, I, I don't know what to do here. Becomes a... How are you going to work in this moment, Holy Spirit? What's your plan in this moment, Holy Spirit? And that's awesome. But it does mean you have to have... Did I? Oh, I, oh, I skipped out in the adorable baby picture when you're confused. Um, but this does mean you have to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You have to be able to recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit. And that can be a big deal. The best example I could think of this, and it's a dumb one, but I like it, um, is recognizing my mom's voice. Growing up, I did a lot of track meets. I ran in a lot of big meets, and one of them in particular I remember, it was at Hayward Field in Oregon. It was a massive meet. There was a ton of people there. You had to buy tickets to get in. Even parents had to buy tickets to get in. And we got tickets way up at the top. Like they, so they were nowhere near, and I was running the 400. Those you know, the 400 is one full lap around the track. It's the worst. 
I hate it, but it was the one I was running. And I got to the back stretch, you know, kind of the back side of it, you're just exhausted. Oh, oh, oh. Through everything, I could hear my mom's voice. Through an entire stadium, I could pinpoint and hear my mom. And I knew that because watching the video later, where, you know, my stepdad's recording, my mom was next to her, I heard the thing she said. She said the same thing I heard. So, look, that was definitely my mom's voice. How? In a stadium packed with people screaming, how could I identify and know, oh, that's mom? Because that was the voice I knew the most. That was the voice I heard the most. I knew that voice. And so that's the kind of relationship we need to grow with, with the Holy Spirit, to be able to recognize the Holy Spirit's voice in every moment. Because there'll be a lot of noise, a lot of stuff going around. But to be able to pinpoint God's voice in the middle of that. That's our goal. All right, kind of moving down here into verse 23. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly, I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. This is an interesting verse. This is Jesus reminding the disciples and us that not everyone's going to listen. And that's something we often don't want to think about, that there are just going to be people that are going to refuse to listen, that do not want to hear what you have to say. And it is not our responsibility to make them listen. Right? You cannot out-logic or berate someone into heaven. You can do the exact opposite. You can turn them away from the king of heaven. This is Jesus telling us we are not in control. I mean, the, uh, the, the villages around, there's at most 30 to 35 villages in this area. So Jesus is kind of like using this as an example of like, not even this small region around here will completely believe in me before I come back. Jesus is giving us permission to not hold that on ourselves. Now, this isn't saying, you know, just write people off, give up and move on. Just the opposite. Because we all have people in our lives that we love desperately that are not walking with Jesus. Partners. Parents. Children. Best friends, classmates, co-workers. Everyone has those people in their lives. We are to continue to love, continue to pray, continue to be open. And this is Jesus reminding us it is not our responsibility. I think a lot of times we intertwine our own kind of Christian walk and spiritual journey with that of other people. If I could get that person to love Jesus, then I'll be a good Christian. That'll make me a success in my walk. But if I don't, I have failed. And that's not what Jesus wants. That's exactly what he's telling us here is not the way. It's not our responsibility. None of it is. I mean, we don't, quote unquote, save anyone. That's all God. I just love this just, just gentle reminder here of, hey, it's okay. Save your own soul 
save your well-being. Do not beat yourself down over someone who just doesn't want to listen right now. You might not be the person. You might, this might not be the time. Trust the Holy Spirit. I just love this reminder here. I think it's one that we all need from time to time because we all just are like, oh, there's this person, I have to, I have to, I have to. No. Just relax. Trust the Holy Spirit. Last section here. This is an interesting section. Because Jesus is highlighting that if we walk like Jesus, if we emulate Christ, which Christian, that's, that's it's in our name, that's what we're supposed to be doing, we're going to be treated like Christ was. Which is good and bad. Because if you kind of pay attention as to the Gospels, a lot of people had a lot of respect and treated Jesus really well. Jesus was, had amazing relationships with a lot of people. But not everyone. There were some people that really did not like Jesus' message. And so this is going to be the same with us. There are going to be people that if we mirror Christ, if they see Christ in us, if we truly embody Christ's heart, Christ's love, Christ's compassion, they're going to be drawn to that. And that's going to be an amazing thing. It's going to develop an amazing relationship. But there are going to be some people who aren't going to like that. There are going to be others who, whether they're afraid of what they're seeing, whether it's revealing something in their own lives that they don't like, that they don't want to deal with, whatever it is, they're going to push back against that. They're going to push back, not want to be a part, not want to have you around, not want to insert whatever there. This is Jesus reminding us that just like it happened to him, it'll happen to us. And the way, I like this last illustration here, where he talks about, you know, if the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more will the members of the household? This was a common thing thrown at Jesus, especially in Matthew, being called a servant of Beelzebub. Who's Beelzebub? He is a, the name of a Philistine god. Uh, literally translated means Lord of Flies, Baal, Lord, Zivchal, swarming flying things, Lord of Flies. Flies, often associated with pestilence, with death, and so that's where this deity kind of gets its associations with in the Philistine pantheon. Later church tradition, um, Beelzebub becomes either a synonym for Satan, or some areas will say, well, it's Satan's king demon, whatever. The idea is just, it's, 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 it's associated with Satan. But I think this here, the way, it's, the way Satan is using this here, brings up a really interesting illustration of the way evil works. So, Beelzebub doesn't really do anything himself. Sends out flies. Sends out other things. Rules through fear. This is exactly what Satan is doing here. Satan can't do anything tangible to Jesus. Has no real power over Jesus. My mic is falling. I can feel it. Ah, oh, there we go. So, tries to discredit Jesus. 
and to me in the funniest way possible, tries to discredit Jesus by associating Jesus with himself. That's hilarious. You know, trying to, oh, Jesus can't be the Messiah. He's associated with me. What? Now spin that for us. Fear. Confusion. Those are the enemy's primary weapons. Greatest weapons. Because really, the enemy can't do anything tangible to us. Think about the biblical story. The last time Satan did something tangible on earth was in Eden. And even then, it was just talking and tricking. You might point to Job and be like, well, maybe something happened there, but even then, the, uh, the opening of Job is Satan needs God's permission to do anything. Everything Satan does is through convincing us of something that's not true. Tricking us, of lying to us. Satan has nothing tangible that he can do to us. Satan can do nothing but to try to trick us and try to confuse us to not use this power. This whole section has been talking about establishing Jesus' authority. And then here Jesus is saying, now I'm giving you, the disciples, and turn us this authority. The only thing Satan can do is try to convince us to not use it, that we don't have it, that it's not real. Okay, put all of this together. What is this section saying to us? There's a lot in here. Like the first thing is that living a life, a Christian life, a life Jesus has called us to, it's not going to make your life perfect. And kind of the opposite sometimes. It's going to cause problems at times. But we have a God that is so powerful that evil, Satan, the devil, Lord of lies, whatever you want to call him, cannot confront him. Cannot do anything directly. This entire section is reminding us we have the same authority that Jesus has. Jesus and the Holy Spirit has given us this authority. So there's nothing evil can do directly to us. This is why having such an amazing relationship with the Holy Spirit is so important. Because that's really our direct lifeline. The Holy Spirit is the one that's with us, guiding us, helping us, telling us, warning us, oh, no, that's, that's a trick there, that's, that's the evil one, oh, no, that's Satan. It's recognizing that voice, that guide. But we have to be able to recognize that voice, right? That's the important side of things. If we can't recognize that voice, we're kind of in trouble. We have to be able to recognize this voice when we're out on our missional work, whether it's you know, in conversations. We also have to be able to recognize this voice in our own spiritual journeys, in our own spiritual lives, in our daily lives. Jesus promised us so much and has given us so much. All authority. And this relates back to our goals from a couple weeks ago. I promised I was going to bring these back a lot. Our up goal, seek Jesus daily. That's how we develop this relationship. That's how we get to the point that we know and we can distinguish the Holy Spirit's voice. 
Because the God of the universe, the God that created everything, the God that demons fear, the God who is outside of time, wants a relationship with each one of us, with you. That God loves us. That God cares for us. That God is with us when things are going wrong. And that should give us amazing confidence, amazing encouragement that this, this God wants to hang out with us, wants to have time with us every day. So that could be something you do every day is just say a small prayer. Holy Spirit, show me what you're doing today. Show me how I can be part of what you're doing today. Every day. And you'll slowly recognize that voice more. You'll see something and be like, oh, that is the Holy Spirit right there. I know what's going on there. I can see it at work. So that's the goal. And this, that excitement should make us want to go share that with everyone. That's what it's about. Being filled up with this love, this amazing love, and then sharing it. Think we can do that? I see some. I, I see. I see some nodding. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Join me as we pray.